Good morning. Uh, we're going to be reading today from Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 1, starting at verse 1. Again, Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 1. We're going to read from 1 to verse 17. The parable of the sower. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and sat in it while all the people stood on shore. Then he told many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprung up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak in the, to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and that they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, through seeing, they do not see. Through hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might, not, might see with their ears, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but not hear it. Let's say our scripture declaration. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our lives' practice. Lord, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray to you today, thanking you for the many blessings that you've given us. For allowing us, Lord, Father, to be able to have the Holy Spirit, which gives us the truth and help us see. 
We, Lord, Father, thank you, Lord, for just constantly having grace among us. When we turn the other way, and even though you are showing us the right way, we go the other path. And we ask you, Lord, to help our hearts be able to seek you more, to be able to turn towards you so that we may continue, Lord, Father, to follow down your path and your will. Lord, as we sit here today and we get ready, Lord, Father, to hear your word, we ask you, Lord, Father, to open our hearts and open our eyes and open our minds, Lord, Father, that we may be filled with your spirit and that we may, Lord, Father, understand your truth and be transformed through it. Touch each and every one of us this morning, Lord, in a way where we leave out of here or turn off the TV or turn off the YouTube and be able to get closer to you. But we need you, Lord. And we know, Lord, Father, without you, nothing's possible. We love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you for the worship team, each and every person and uh, person that's played a role in today's uh, Sunday celebration already up to this point. We appreciate that. Appreciate your part each and every week. And I'm glad to be able to share with you today from God's Word uh, this passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter 13 that we've just been uh, reading with Peter and just led us through. Just kind of keep your Scriptures open. Uh, we are going to be talking a little bit about this passage of Scripture, so we'll be revisiting it a little bit. Uh, and I'm beginning a new message series really just strictly for Nick Potts. It's just only for Nick Potts. You know how it is. When you have like a commencement address, you know, you get this big, long message and you think that's for all of us. Well, Nick is the only guy here today. And so I thought I would just say, you know, hey, today you're going to go out there and change the world, Nick. And here's how you do it. I'm preaching an entire sermon series just for Nick Potts. So this is going to be great. Uh, hang around. Maybe you'll get something out. Of course, I'm kidding. Of course, I'm kidding. But I am going to be talking about how to change the world in changing times over the next few weeks because we're all in an incredible time in our lives, um, in, our, in our world, in our nation. Uh, and it is really an amazing thing to see not just the way that things can change from week to week, but from day to day and even hour to hour. Can I get an amen, right? And, and so I want to talk a little bit about how we can change and impact the world because I think that we really do want to do that. For the most part, I believe that you and I as Christians want to see the world be a place where it is more reflective of the kingdom of God. And if we're going to do that, we're going to have to begin to make some changes ourselves and be a part of the catalyst for change in our world. We can't just wait and say, somebody ought to, sure wish somebody would, if we're not doing the things that we should be doing to make sure that we are living the change that we're hoping to see in our world. So I want to talk a little bit about changing the world and changing times over the next few weeks. And today we're going to start in a place, of a parable. And in many ways, this is a very interesting parable because Jesus says that it is kind of um, a way that we can begin to understand all the different parables and see some of the ways that he was using parables in his teaching. Now, do any of you guys ever remember this old definition of what a parable is? A parable is an earthly story with a 
heavenly meaning. A handful of you guys have remembered that from when your Sunday school days. Well, this is a great way to remember what a parable is, but maybe today in the chat, uh, since you guys are, I know y'all are going to be giving me some amens, get your amen fingers, and you here today get your amen voices ready. But um, this idea of doing a little amen, maybe in the chat today, you can tell me what your favorite parable is. My favorite parable is found in Luke chapter 15. It is the parable of the prodigal son. And now you can't get that one and say, that's mine too, that's mine too, that's mine too. You know, a few of you guys ought to throw in some other parables, but maybe you can remember a few of these parables that Jesus taught as he shared these earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Today we're going to talk about the four different soils and the sower who went out to sow seeds. Now I'm going to be very honest with you. As you look at our world, you know that there's a lot changing. And you can kind of see some of these different slides that I've prepared. You know that this is a huge part of what's changing in our world. This has not been something that died down quickly. It's been something that has sustained. Maybe because of the coronavirus, maybe there's just a, a, a groundswell and a realization that things need to change and have needed to change for centuries, really. But George Floyd's situation has been a big difference. This is a perfect example. You guys saw, I don't know if y'all saw me earlier. I told you before, I've got like the most baller mask in the whole church. Uh, one of you ladies made this for me. Thank you, Miss Janet. Um, she gave me this, uh, and I would wear it uh, in a minute, but you wouldn't be able to understand what I'm saying. But I've got a mask. You've probably got a mask. Maybe if you're like a, a person who's really into the way that you choose to look, you've probably got three or four masks that can color coordinate and all that stuff. I get it. It's a really weird world that we're living in if you're like coordinating your masks, but I still respect it. All right. But you can also understand this. You had no idea that Zoom would change your life uh, about, you know, 12, 13, 14 weeks ago. But isn't this great? I mean, this is you, you know, the boss says, hey, are you free to video chat? And you're like, uh, actually, not so much, all right? Okay, well, check out this next one here. This is the diagram of a Zoom meeting attention span. And I wrote these down so you could kind of see. 23% um, are relief at just simply seeing other human beings, which is pretty funny. 10% uh, of the time you're checking out coworkers' houses. 25% of the time you're wondering why in the world you didn't take a shower. 13% uh, of the time you're wondering, has my neck always looked like that? <laughs> 10% think if maybe I move the camera up just a little higher, 7% is taking time to remove your cat from your keyboard, 10% is <laughs> removing your kids from your bedroom, and 2% of time is actual Zoom meeting content. So if you're in Zoom meetings, I know that doesn't apply to our Bible studies on Wednesday night, but you kind of get the idea. All right, let's check out this next one here. And this is when your kids start acting up during the Zoom meetings. You say, I will kill you. You know, you're like, I don't want to show them on the screen, but you're like, I will kill you. Well, um, yeah, I think we've all been there. We're living in a different world. And the truth is, is that as you go through the graduations that are happening, there was one at West Point um, where the cadets were literally socially distanced. You know, they're out there on the lawn. 
They came marching in with six foot of space and then their chairs, as you can see in the background, they're all socially distant and throwing their caps in the air and the flyby. I know we almost had one of those ordered. They just canceled at the last minute. Nick, I don't want you to feel like we didn't try to get the flyby, but we didn't quite pull it off. We were close. But um, yeah, so definitely a different world that we are living in. And the virtual graduations, how many of y'all have heard of the virtual graduations? Have y'all heard of that? There's a great little picture here. You've got Simone Biles, the gold-winning gymnast from Houston, Texas. And then you've got Oprah Winfrey in the middle. And then you've got J.J. Watt from Houston, Texas. We got two out of three. We're doing something right. Um, Matthew McConaughey was on there. Uh, should I try to do my all right, all right? I, I can't do it. I can't do it. But here's the thing. There's a lot changing in our world. We live in a very, very changing world. It doesn't really even take me saying each and every part that's changing for you to understand what I'm talking about. You're like, yep, that's true. Our world is changing almost at times, it feels, by the hour. But I also would say when we talk about changing your world, we do a lot of that around the time of graduations and that kind of thing. And I think the, the video kind of hit on it a little bit in that sometimes we say, oh, you're going to go out and change the world. But then a lot of us just simply don't. We don't go out and change the world. But I think in some ways we've living, we're living in a time where you can actually make a change in the world maybe more than ever before. Do any of you guys recognize this guy? Um, I, I know you'd recognize him if, he's an, if you're an Office fan. That's two Office, office references. You know, there was uh, definitely one earlier. And this is Jim from The Office. I know Eric's a big-time Office guy. Any of y'all Office guys or Office gals in here? You love the old? Okay, a handful of you are. But this is also a guy um, who has done movies and other things, including Jack Ryan on Prime Video and stuff like that. This is John Krasinski. I believe I'm pronouncing his last name right. But he actually, during this quarantine, it felt like nothing was bad, nothing but bad news out there all the time. And so he decided to begin his own news network called SGN, which stood for Some Good News. Each and every day he was giving out some element of good news and he was just kind of beginning to try to cheer people up. It actually ended up selling as a news network to CBS for millions and millions of dollars we know because there were 17 million viewers. And so in some ways, as you can tell, the SGN sign is literally like a, a watercolor or a crayon background. This world enables us to make a difference in it if we will take advantage and seize that opportunity. It's not that we have to have all the money in the world, but we have to have all the influence in the world, but it is an opportunity for us to make a difference and it's out there if we seize upon it. So let's check out this next slide here. And I just wanna say this. Here is the difficulty that most of us are going to face. As you look at this picture, you realize this is a picture of our solar system. And at the very center of our solar system is the what? Sun, right? Come on now. Hey, y'all stay awake. I know the lights are dim out there. Don't y'all go to sleep on me. You know at the center of our solar system is the sun. And as a matter of fact, if you rewind and go back a few hundred years... The thing was, was that most of us here on earth literally thought that the world 
revolved around us and that the solar system literally revolved around the earth, not the earth around the sun. And so in the midst of all of that enlightenment, they begin to ask questions and say, why does this happen? And why does this happen? And why do the seasons change? And why does all this stuff happen? Why do we have day and night and all of this different stuff that's happening in our observable world? And then we came to the conclusion, we are not the center of the world. The sun is the center of the world. And then everything began to fall into place. And here is what I believe with most of us as human beings. We come at life with the wrong questions if we really want to make an impact. If we want to change the world, we've got to come at it with the right question. And the right question is, what does God want me to do in this world? That's the right question. And that puts the sun literally at the center of our universe. But if I try to slide in there and say, what's going to make me happy? And what's going to be fulfilling to me? And I begin to ask all of the me questions, then I will probably get to the wrong destination thinking that I'm the center of the importance here when it is not the truth. I would encourage any of you who are looking to make your world, and I'm going to stop for just a quick second and say, we often think world But I'm here to tell you that for most of us, we will not make a huge impact on the world. But as we begin to narrow our focus, we begin to have opportunities to make a difference. I believe that the most important thing that God has called me personally to do is not the thing that happens here in this place with all of you or there with you online. The most important world that I am called to impact is named Shelley, Tori, Taryn, and Tatum. That is my world, and then it filters out from there. That's what God has called me to impact, and then it goes outward from there. And I could tell you about all the different names of my extended family, of my friends, of the people that I am close to. And eventually, you get to this place where I say, this is an important part of my impact on this world. But the truth is, is that if I put myself at the center and instead say, Instead of saying, God, what do you want me to do? Then I don't say, how do I serve them? I say, how can they serve me? And I look for people to surround themselves around me so that I can be served. And do you see how different things begin to end up? If the question is, how can I be happy? How can I be served? How can it be about me versus the actual opposite? How can I serve? What has God created and called me to do? How has God uniquely gifted me to make an impact on this world? It's diametrically opposed in different directions of the things that God has created you to do versus the way that we often choose to live. If you want to make a difference in your world, you have to begin here. Begin making a difference with the people that God has placed around you and let it ripple outward from there. It is so important and so vital that you and I are asking the right questions and the right question always is, God, what are you doing in my world and how can I partner with you in what you are doing? For most of us, we're not asking that question nearly enough. Now, as we go on a little further, this may be something interesting. There's a guy by the name of Mike Berbiglia, uh, Berbiglia, excuse me. His, you say Berbiglia three times fast and see what happens, all right? But this guy named Mike Berbiglia, I almost, 
Almost nailed that on that second dismount. But there it is. There it is on your screen. He is a comedian and an actor, and he actually spoke to Georgetown University. And here's what he said. He said, I was not meant to be giving this speech to you through my iPhone in New York while you're there in Georgetown, Washington, D.C. area. And you were not to be meant to be at your parents' house. Besides, you are trying to avoid those parents by going to college in the first place. This was not plan A. Then he says, so often the things that you love the most are not your plan A. Now, just hit pause and everybody in the house. How many of you know by experience that sometimes you are grateful that God did not answer plan A for you and he puts you on to plan B? Can I get an amen, right? How about y'all on the chat? Can you say, yes, I am so glad that I didn't get what I thought I wanted because it's not what I wanted after all. The truth of the matter is, is that for most of us, plan B is where God is and where he is working. But we think, oh no, plan B, this is terrible. This is not good. It's second best. I'm here to tell you for most of us, plan B is a better plan than what we had because it usually gets distilled out a little bit and we realize that we're not the center of it all, but that God is. He says in in that continuing address that he gave to those folks at Georgetown, he said, the challenge of this moment will be what defines you for the better. You've been robbed of this moment, and that might be the very best case scenario because you are going to be forced to create this moment for yourself, which is exactly what you were meant to do. Now, here's what I would say to us as Christians. If you ever find yourself flat on your face and realize that your plan A did not happen as you thought it would, and God has let you down by not giving you plan A, here's what I would say to you and to me. Plan A is probably my plan, that I get God to do what I want him to do for me. But plan B most often is, God, I've given up and I just want your will to be done. Let's just make some kind of impact in this world, but you lead and I will follow. And when you get to that place, you begin to see things change in your world in dramatic and different ways that you never saw coming. If you want to change our changing world, you get on God's plan and stop trying like crazy to get God to be on your plan. Here is what Henry Blackaby, who wrote a book called Experiencing God, and it's a classic, it's been around for literally decades, but here's what he said. He said, watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. It's not our job to get God onto our plan, but it is our job to get on to God's instead. Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6 says a quote that I really love and I would love to share, especially around this time of year. From Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean to your own understanding, but instead in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. It's so interesting to see here, as we look at Jesus speaking in this parable, how often he says something that we see over and over and over repeated. As a matter of fact, let's go to this next slide. And he says, as he ends the parable, other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, a sixty, or even thirty times what was sown. And then he says these words, whoever has ears... Let him or her hear. 
And then he goes on and it says, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Is this God being selfish? No, no, no. This is just the law of sowing and reaping. When you begin to sow outward instead of hoarding for self, you begin to receive a crop back. And here is the problem that Jesus is hitting on. He's speaking over and over and over to people who are able to understand, but they choose not to. And so when Jesus speaks, he's speaking to people and he says, he who has ears, let him hear. What Jesus is saying is, you are going to determine whether or not you are interested in going deeper in spiritual truth or not. You are going to be the determining factor. You're going to be what we call these days the bottleneck on your own growth. Not because God is going to keep you at arm's length, but because you will not listen to what God has to say. He who has ears, let him or her hear. But when we do not, it's not that God wasn't speaking. It's that we chose not to listen. And so for most of us, this is true for us. We've got to be very, very careful that we are not these types of soils that Jesus talks about that are unproductive in the things that we have received or the things that he is trying to accomplish in our lives. Let's go to this next screen and you can kind of get this something to learn. Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear, or something pretty close to that, approximately 17 times in the scriptures. So let's be very, very clear so there's no question here. When God speaks, it is our responsibility to listen and to hear. And if we choose not to, it's not because God didn't speak. It's because we chose not to listen. And for most of us, we listen and then forget, or we listen and then discard, or we listen and then pick and choose what God has said that we will take and adopt, and we become the determining factor on God's voice in our life. If that's the case, guess who's playing the role of God? <laughs> it's not God anymore, it's us. And so we've got to be very careful that we're not going down a road that says, we're not going to change our world because we're just simply being ourselves. We're putting ourselves at the center of our universe. But if instead we can actually change the world by placing God at the center, then things do truly begin to change. As a matter of fact, let's be very clear about this. Seven different times Jesus says to one of the New Testament churches, be very clear, to one of the New Testament churches, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. You know what that means? That means that Christians aren't immune to tuning God out. I'm going to say it one more time and so you can jump in and say amen. So you know that you're not one of those that's tuning God out. Christians are not immune to tuning God out. Amen? We're not. We're not. We've heard it. We've heard it before. And so we just keep moving. We've got to be very careful that we don't become one of these soils. And you can see the picture here, the different soils, one that's a path, one that's rocky, one that's choked with thorns, or one that is productive. Four different types of soil. And if I were 
giving young people advice, whether they are college-age youth or, or high school youth or, or people who are still necess- making a lot of those decisions and choices, or even if you are a person who's struggling in your relationship, can I tell you what most people that I personally have seen, I've been in this, this uh, pastoral role for a long time, better than two plus, I guess, coming on three decades now, somewhere in that neighborhood. And the truth of the matter is, is that if I could kind of sum it up, I would say that one of the things that I've seen most people wasting a ton of their time and energy and effort on is trying to make a bad soil good instead of just sowing into the one that's already there and ready to receive. You guys understand what I'm saying? I've seen people that desperately want that guy to become a different person or that woman to be the one that they would have because she's not that, but maybe one day she might be. Or that person who continues to pursue relationships and friendships that actually tear them down and take them further away from what God has created them to be and to experience, but they won't ever turn away from them Not because they know it's unproductive, but because they figure somehow, some way, eventually things are going to change. And then they look up and they've wasted years and years trying to turn a path into a field. They've tried to turn a rocky place into a place that produces great crops. And it just doesn't happen. Not through you and me. It's not like that. The only person that can change the soil is God. He can use us. But most of the time, God is the one who does most of the work, and occasionally we partner with him. But most of the time, we are living as if we have all the work to do, and we're going to do God a favor by turning that ear that will not hear into one that listens. Do you guys understand what I'm saying, especially y'all here today? Don't waste your time trying to change a soil that is God's job. And let's be very clear, your job and my job is not to change a soil. Our job is to sow seed. Our job is to what? Sow seed, not to change soil. Very quickly, I want to just talk about this. Don't miss this. And uh, Changing your own life is nearly impossible. Wouldn't you agree with that? Any of y'all ever started an exercise routine or a diet that was going to change your life? Right? It's hard to stay with that stuff, even when you know it's good. It is hard enough to change your own life. Try changing others. It's a guaranteed way to waste your time and energy and find tons of frustration. God alone changes the human heart. It's not ours to do. We've got to be careful that we don't give all kinds of time and attention to doing God's job for him. Very quickly, let me just share this with you. i got a picture here. I don't know. Does that? I'm hungry, <laughs> so that looks really good to me. Um, I haven't eaten anything usually on Sunday mornings. I don't eat anything before I come here and preach. That's why I'm so hangry at the end. You know, uh, I get uh, hungry and angry. That's hangry if you don't know. Um, so here is a beautiful plate of food. I would say it only needs about three times more food to be just about where I need it to be, right? But you can see it's got eggs, and I see salmon on there. I see cucumbers. There's some good food. There's some delicious food. There's some awesome cheese on there. It looks amazing. Now, how many of you think that looks pretty good, right? Any of y'all think that looks pretty good? Okay. Now, let me ask you a question. 
I think I got about 60% of you who are still awake here today. You raised your hand saying you thought it was good. Let me ask you another question. If you had not eaten anything like me here yet today, does that look better to you than it did a minute ago if you've already eaten something? It looks better, right? What if you've waited three days? You're really getting hungry at this point, and it looks way small, but it looks way delicious. If you waited a whole week and you haven't had food, oh man, that looks like the banquet feast from the last week, you know, last Thanksgiving week that you spent with your family. I mean, the smallest amount looks like a bountiful feast because you haven't had a thing. You are so hungry, right? Uh, any of y'all ever gone on a fast or a diet and you've just waited and waited and waited and you're so hungry and so ready to have that food? The hunger makes the food incredible. It makes it delicious. And there's nothing special about the food. It's about the, the hunger. In Proverbs chapter 27, there's something incredibly interesting that you may or may not have ever read this is one of my own favorite Proverbs. From Proverbs 27, 7, it says, One who is full loathes honey from the comb, but to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. Now, this is really, really important for us all to understand. What is he saying? He's saying that if you are hungry, the smallest little something can feel like uh, uh, the very morsel of food that sustains you. Now, here is part of why people get caught up on the wrong path. Because they have not found their sufficiency in Christ. They have not found their identity in Christ. Christ is not in their lives to the place where he says, always, you are mine you belong to me. I am sustaining you. And if you do not have that being spoken to your heart, then the smallest little bit of encouragement and help and blessing and attention can feel like an overwhelming flood. It can feel like a feast. And then suddenly you think that the wrong people are doing all the right things for you. Ladies, especially be very, very careful and cautious that you do not think that the, the thing that you are looking for that will make you whole is out there. But guys, it's the same for you. It's the same for you. The beautiful woman that you want to make you whole is not to be found out there. The beautiful thing you are searching for is found right here with the connection to God. And that's where it ends. We pursue the wrong things because we are not hungry for the love of the Lord that he alone provides. We go back to the soils again and we see that and we see those different pictures. Here is the big idea for today. Change the world by becoming the right kind of soil and the right kind of sower. I'm going to say that again. Change your world by becoming the right kind of soil and the right kind of sower. How do you become the right kind of soil? It's just this easy. You got to be humble and be discerning. You say, if, it's, if it is true, even if it's hard to hear, I'm ready to listen. And then you got to be discerning. And this is an incredible question. What would a great blank do? 
What would a great father do? What would a great mother do? What would a great friend, son, daughter do? What would a great Christian do in this situation? And then begin to do those things. You are becoming the right kind of soil, the right kind that begins to bear fruit and change your world. And then you can be the right kind of sower. And this is how you do that. You be unconcerned. Listen to me. Listen. Be unconcerned. You are not called to place the perfect seed in the perfect spot and then say, oh, there we go. This is great. That's going to grow. I can feel it. That's not how the sower does it, is it? It's not. It's a joke to see. How does a farmer scatter seed? You know, she just throws and throws and throws and handfuls, and it almost looks wasteful the way that the seed is spread and scattered. But it's not wasteful. It is just constantly going out. And then be consistent. I want to see blank change. If you are a person who wants to see certain things in your world change, it shouldn't be this way this week and next week it's something else and next week it's something else. Find what God has created you to do. Find the thing that God has enabled you to do and begin to pursue that path and keep going on it. That's how you begin to change the world. And then I just wanted to show this to you very quickly. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he what? Sows. You will reap what you sow. If you are a consistent sower of good in this world, it will find its way back to you. It may not always come quickly, but it always will come back. And let me be very clear. If you are constantly on the receiving end of negative, negative, bad, less than you would hope that it would have been, maybe you need to be concerned about what you are sowing. Because for most of us, We don't think of ourselves as people that fail to sow good, but we will reap what we sow. We've got to be very careful that we're looking deeper into what we're sowing. And let's be very clear, at the beginning of this passage, it says, do not be deceived. It's easy to be twisted around on this, but you will reap what you sow. And then it goes, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. But let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And therefore, as often as we have opportunities, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. I believe with all of my heart that this is a truism. As you consistently put things out, those ripples go out. And as they ripple outward from you, they begin to make an impact. Now, I can't bring myself to say, be a butterfly, (laughs) all right? But you have heard of the butterfly effect, right? The wings, the little bit of the beating of the wings changes things on the other side of the world. You've heard that old saying. Well, here's what I would say. Be a stone, be a rock, be a person who makes a difference. And as those things begin to go outward from you, as they ripple outward, they begin to make a change and begin to change your world. Now, let me just look here at this very end. Here's how you apply by. You ask yourselves these two questions and you're honest with your answers. You ask, what kind of soil am I and what kind of sower am I? Am I listening? Am I discerning? Am I hearing God's voice? 
And am I putting out into the world those things that will bring about the change that I want desperately to see in this world? You ask yourself, what kind of sower am I and what kind of soil am I? I just wanted to kind of close this today by a story, a short story really, but maybe one that you might be able to identify with. And here's what it was. I have three daughters. I'm not going to identify which daughter it was, but there was a friend of that particular daughter who occasionally would come and eat with our family. It's very interesting because as we had that happening, we didn't have this particular friend over a lot. She'd come and hang out for a little while and kind of be there for a little while and then move on. It wouldn't be long, drawn out, you know, days and days. It wasn't constantly week after week, day after day, constantly with us. Not at all. But one of the things that we do as a family, and still do to this day if we can, and even have done a few on Zoom, um, we do family dinners. So we sit down and we sit down uh, around a table and we spend our time together we turn off the TVs, we make sure that the cell phones don't come to the table so we can have one another's attention, one another's input, one another's interest and engagement. So that's what we do. That's kind of a thing and that hasn't really changed. That's been something that began when the girls were little bitty before they even got into kindergarten. We were doing this and we kept it going until they all left. And yes, they have all left, but even when they're back, we do family dinners. This young lady, who was not a part of our family, sought out my wife, took her to lunch, and said, I want to tell you, thank you for showing me what a daughter and a mom should be together. I want to thank you for the relationship that I see between you and your daughters. I remember sitting at your dinner table and seeing that the unhealthy relationship that I had was not the norm, that there is a way to have a relationship that's healthy. Kelly came to me and she said, I was blown away. She said, I had no idea that I was making any impact or that she was even thinking that or that that was any kind of thought in her mind. And she said, I'm gonna be honest with you. She said, I didn't hardly feel like I was doing anything at all. I wasn't doing anything. And I'm kind of embarrassed that we didn't have her over more often. She was close enough to our daughter. We should have had her back more often. If I knew I was making that kind of an impact, I probably would have. I don't know if you guys can identify with that. Where you make an impact and you didn't even realize that you were. And I thought to myself and we began to have a discussion we said, you know, isn't that just the way of God, though? That he takes the small amount of soil and he multiplies the impact. Do you see? Do you see? Here's the difference. We think we've got to be all of these things and then God can make an impact. The problem is not the seed isn't good enough. The problem is the soil. But if you find the right soil, the seed will do all of the work. You know what I'm talking about. To the hungry, the smallest little bit is a feast. To those who are full, you could make an incredible meal and they aren't no part of it. Here's the truth for you and for me. We don't need to worry about the seed. God's got that. 
We don't even need to worry about the soil. God's got that. He will bring people into our lives that we can make an impact on and we can change our world and it can ripple out. But we have to say, God, make me the right kind of soil to hear what you have to say and make me the right kind of sower so that I might sow the seeds, whoever is receiving it. And can I tell you one more piece of that information on that story? Years, years and years went by before we ever heard that affirmation of what that thing had done. Be faithful and it will return to you. How many of you can believe that? Amen. I mean, don't you believe that God is faithful to return those things that he has promised that he would return? We talked about it last week. God may not always live up to your expectations, but God always, always will live up to his word. And his word says that he will be faithful. So today, if you want to see something change in your world, if your world needs to be different, you have to say, what kind of soil am I? Am I listening? Is God planting something in my heart? And I'm listening and I'm accepting and I'm receiving it. And then what kind of sower am I? What am I putting out into this world? If you are the right kind of soil, and the right kind of sower, then God can use you to change your world. If you refuse to be either of these things, you probably will have the same world that you've always had. So I encourage you, don't try to change the soil. Just be the person that God wants you to be and embrace what He is doing already. Heavenly Father, as we end our time together, around this parable and understand, Lord, that the truth is, is that we're not called to change people. We're called to share the seed of Christ's love. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to grasp and understand that the way that we make a change in our world is not through a big, huge event, big, huge things that change thousands and thousands of people. Lord, most of the time, the change that we want to see in our world is through small connections, person to person, and then the rippling out from there. And you are faithful, God, and you will use us if we will be the right kind of soil right kind of sower. So help us, Lord, to change our world. And God, we love you. We thank you. And we ask that everything that we do brings honor and glory to you and you alone. God, please be the center of our world. And Lord, as our changing world evolves so quickly, may you be our rock and our anchor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for your time and for your attention. Thank you for those of you who are at home. Thank you for those who had made the effort to come here and be a part of things today. May God bless you as you go your different ways. I hope that y'all are staying safe and it is good to see your faces here today. And we're gonna end the way that we always end. We have just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. God bless you. Stay safe and be careful. Love you guys. Take care.